We are going to continue to work our way through the book of Acts. Uh, we are on week five. How many of y'all have, like, things that we've been talking about, God has begun or maybe has begun to draw your attention to maybe something in the church that you see that, that, that needs to shift a little bit or maybe something in yourself in relationship to the church that's needing to shift a little bit yourself? I, I am. I, I've had several things, in fact, this week that as I have thought, Lord, what should we do? What should I do about that? The Lord has brought me back to moments that we've gone through already, realizing, man, the same things that we're going through are the same things they did, the same God that we're serving, the same God they're serving. And, uh, man, we can find uh, some great pathways to solve the things that we uh, need to solve in ourselves and in our church uh, in what the Lord did through his people in the book of Acts. So I hope that you're finding that. I hope that this isn't just something that you're filling your head full of knowledge, but that you are uh, allowing the Lord to find pathways of application uh, for, for your life and for uh, our life together as the body of Christ. All right. So we're rolling on through the book of Acts. Again, I want to remind everybody that we are looking at Acts for a particular reason, and that is to see what the priorities of God were in the earliest moments of the birth of the church so that we can see how we are lining up with those things today, 2,000 years later, all right? So as, as, I was, as, as we got into week five, one of the things that I was beginning to kind of thinking about was I was thinking, man... There has been a lot of things that happened for the, the early church in just this time period. I know for us, we've been five weeks, but for them, this was just a few weeks. I, we don't even really know how long it was, but, but it, it has not been a long time since all of the things that we've talked about have all just piled in together at one time, right? I mean, think about it. In just a few weeks' time, Jesus commissions the apostles, and then he goes back into heaven, right? And then the coming and indwelling of the Holy Spirit happens. And then Peter preaches out of that, and 3,000 people say, I want to give my life to Jesus, right? And then on top of that, the church starts sharing the gospel all around from house to house and daily, and daily people are being saved. And then on top of that, there are all these signs and wonders and healings and all those things that are going on, right? And then on top of that, all of a sudden, they start facing some persecution because they're saying yes to the Lord Jesus, but the same people that hung him on the cross are the same people that aren't happy about the yes that they're saying to Jesus because they want to shut him down. And then on top of that, all at the same time that last week we talked about, here's two church members that God disciplines with an immediate death. All of that has happened in just this short time frame. You know, I think sometimes we read the Bible and we think that we don't really understand the time frame of things. 
that are going on because one story is told right to the other and, and you don't realize that, man, those things are happening right on top of each other. Sometimes we read two things and there's 20 years behind those stories, especially in the Old Testament, right? And so I, I want us to just pause and think about something in relationship to that, is that God was doing this major shifting in that moment, right? Because realize... All of most all these people that are saying yes to Jesus were all Jewish religious um, organized worshipers, right? They they were used to doing a Jewish thing that they had been trained out of tradition to do in a Jewish way, in a Jewish time, in a Jewish place. And all of a sudden, because Jesus is the Messiah, and he did pay for the ransom for sinners, and he did birth the church, and all this shifting is going on, right? When God is doing a shifting or changing work, it can be a confusing time. Has ever, God ever done a shifting in you where like you were going one way, but then all of a sudden God goes, er, no, we're going this way, right? A shifting time. Maybe he, he said, man, here's, here's what I want you to do, and then all of a sudden he says, okay, that season's over, now it's for a new season, Right? When, when, when God is doing a shifting work in our lives, in our church, when God is doing that shifting work, it can be confusing, right? But here's what we need to remember is that it is essential when you realize that God is in this shifting time, shifting thing that's going on, it is essential to hear from the scriptures and also to hear, I'm, I'm sorry, that scripture, that's not right, that you hear from the Spirit and to hear from the Word of God because those work in perfect union. Sorry for that ty typo there, okay? It's not the scriptures, it is the scriptures, but it is the Holy Spirit. When we're in those shifting times, it is essential for us to hear from both the Holy Spirit and from the scriptures to understand what we're supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? Okay? Because if you don't go to the scriptures and to the spirit, you can get really twisted up. I'm going to give you an example, all right? For example, I, and I mentioned this before in teaching, one of the weirdest situations that I think a Christian has ever been in was when the Apostle Paul was wanted to go to Asia and share the gospel. He was on a missionary journey, and he knew that God so loved the whole world, and he knew there were people over toward Asia, so he wanted to go east. But the Bible says these words, but the Spirit of Christ would not let him go. It wasn't the devil that was keeping him from going and being a witness that way. It was the Spirit. He knew the Word, but he also knew the Spirit. And he allowed that wrestling to take place for a moment 
And then God gave him the vision of the Macedonian guy who's saying, hey, come over here and tell us about Jesus. And Macedonia was not east, it was west. Therefore, he finally realized through the word and the spirit, God's will is, God is shifting something in me. And he's, he's not saying go east, young man. He's saying go west, young man, right? Right? But it's the spirit and the word that work together to give us what we need, to, the knowledge of what we need to do, how we need to do it, all those kind of things. Does that make sense, right? So when you sense a shifting in your own life, in the life of church, in relationship to anything in the things of God, don't panic, don't fuss, don't fight, don't cuss, don't call clay, all right? Take the word and the spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to help you understand his will for such a time as that. Amen? All right, that's where these people were. Everything they have been told, thus saith the Lord, is shifting because of the cross. Everything that they have been saying, God says, is shifting because Jesus went to heaven and the Holy Spirit came down. Right? Right? The only way you're going to understand moments like that is by knowing the word and letting the Holy Spirit show you what the word is is what God is trying to say in a moment like that, all right? That's the moment that the early church was in, and we find ourselves in that truth. I want to remind you of another story in the Bible, and this is a, 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 if you remember Paul on one of his missionary journeys, he went to a place called Thessalonica, and very quickly he got in trouble with a lot of the Jewish people there. They were very angry. They wanted to kill him, and he hid out for a little bit, and they couldn't find him, and the Bible says they snuck him out of town at night, and he went to another town called Berea, right? And he began to share Christ there. And this is what it says about the Bereans. It says the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness, and then they examined the scriptures to every day to see if what Paul said was true, right? So, again, here was a shift for them, and what they did was through the Spirit and through the Word, they were able to understand where the will of the Lord was in that moment, unlike the Thessalonians, right? So if you want to be a noble person in the midst of a great shift, stay in tune with the Holy Spirit and stay in the Word, right? And that's also true for God doing a shift in your marriage, in your family, in your job, in your church, right? Because all of that is ordained by God to bring glory to his name. Good stuff? Amen. All right, let's move on then. Tonight, all we're going to get in is four verses. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. All four of them, okay? All right. 
And what I want to call tonight uh, is something that I want to call tonight, this section, I want to call it Curious versus, versus Conviction, right? Because we begin to see, we've seen a whole lot of things, and the way when we've, every once in a while you'll see a little snapshot verse as you go through Acts where it says, here's what the church looks like now. Here's what the church looks like now. Well, we're about to see one of those little snapshot verses of what the church looks like now, but they've widened the angle out a little bit. <coughs> so it's not just the church that we're seeing in the snapshot. Now we're beginning to see the context of where the church is, right? And we're beginning to see the difference between those who are curious about what they see and those who are falling under conviction in what they see. The other way I was going to title this was Push Me, Pull Me, all right? How many of y'all saw Dr. Doolittle? Saw the movie? You've seen some Dr. Doolittle? There's this crazy animal that Dr. Doolittle had that was the Push Me, Pull Me, right? And there's nothing worse than having two bosses or having an animal with two heads, right? That wants to, and everybody, they're wanting to do their own thing at the same time with that kind of stuff, right? In this context of what we see going on, we see this push me, pull me moment that's going on all around the church, and we also see how the church responds to it, all right? Let's read the verse, and then, um, and then we'll um, talk about what, uh, explain that a little bit better, all right? So tonight we're reading from, starting in chapter 12, uh, I mean chapter uh, 5, verse 12 of Acts, and here's what it says. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in, the, in, in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Okay? Another snapshot. But now you're beginning to see the crowd and what's going on all around them in the people a little bit better. It comes more into focus, all right? So what we see in this passage, generally speaking, is, is that we see that momentum is continuing to happen for the church, right? I mean, Ananias and Sapphira have just been um, taken out, dead because of what they did, but the momentum is still going. That They are gathering together, the church is gathering together in in, as a large crowd, right, at the temple, all right? And that's the temple court, Solomon's colonnade, okay? That's, that, that's, a, that's a place that Herod had, when, when Herod took a lot of Roman money and he rebuilt or added on to a whole lot of the Jewish temple, he did that to kind of earn the favor of the Jews, Right? kind of earn their respect, earn their willingness to follow because he didn't line up with them spiritually, but he needed them to line up peacefully or as a Roman dictator, he would have been thrown out and they would have brought in somebody else that could do the job, 
So he was trying to pay them off to, 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 to stay cool, right? And, and, and not be a bunch of hotheads, religious hotheads. And it worked. So he built this giant colonnade on the outside of the temple, and it was a great gathering place. And that's where the church was meeting each and every week, right? And, they, uh, and, and, and the Bible says that um, there were deliverances of health, but there were also deliverances from demonic issues, right? And as people were healed of their health issues, as they were delivered from demonic issues, it got the attention of more and more people. And God's glorious gospel was spreading and human lives were being transformed, okay? So let's look at these verse by verse. And, uh, and really, I, I'm, I'm just amazed that as I was studying, the things that the Bible are, said to us that like really have some application for us right here today, right now in 2019. First of all, look at what it says in verse 12. It says, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade, all right? First of all, the signs and wonders continued, okay? Signs and wonders have been going on this whole time. Signs and wonders. Things that so obviously were God that even the enemies of these Christian early believers and the enemies of the early church, they still had to admit, this has to be a God thing, but how do we shut it down even though it's a God thing? Everybody knew these signs were God signs. These wonders were, could only be explained as God wonders, right? So these were, and, and realize, these were not meant only to bring healing to the sick, and they weren't meant only to cast the demons out of the unhealthy, but they were also done to validate that the body of Christ was not a man-made thing, but a God-ordained thing, okay? So yes, we're thankful that this guy got his healing, but God was not just doing it for this guy's healing. He was doing it for a testimony that a validation that the church is, a God, is God's idea, not a man's idea. Does that make sense? Right? If you think back to Jesus, he looked at the Pharisees at one point when he was on earth, and he looked at them and said, look, at least believe in me because of the things that you see that I'm doing. Right? He said, he said, the things that I am doing are God's validation that I am the way, the truth, the life, right? And that's what he said as God in a bod, Jesus Christ. And now the body of Christ, God is saying the same thing. He's saying to the world, don't, don't, don't think this is just their big idea. I am validating through these signs and these wonders that this is my thing. This is a God thing, not a man thing, right? And it's important for us as a church to make sure that we go back to that. Our validation is not that we are organized. Our validation is not that we can raise money. 
Our validation is not that we can fill a building up. Our validation are the things that only God can do where his hand is on it and people go, that's a God thing, right? Again, we talked about last week, there are Christians, there are churches that are, have a form of godliness but denying his power, right? This is another way of saying that. We need, we, we do not need to, to do, to try to validate ourselves. The validation of God is a changed life. I'm telling you what, if you, if there are some of you who have told me your testimony, and before Christ it was pretty rank, it was pretty nasty, Right? Let me tell you, your life that is not that anymore, but it is being transformed into the image of Christ, is God's validation, right, that this is his thing, not a man-made thing. Because I don't care how good, good things are and organized things are, you cannot organize transformation. You cannot, you cannot counsel transformation. You can't New Year's resolution transformation. Man, the things that I am not that I once was is not because of anybody. It's because the Lord Jesus Christ did a work in me that can only be explained by him and validates that this thing going on in me is a God thing, not a me thing, and not a man thing, right? And we need to remember that as individual members of the body of Christ. We need to remember that as a church. I, um, I was at a conference one time, and I, I really got shook up by what the, the guy that was speaking asked, he asked a question and it really shook me up because here's what he asked. He said, hey, listen, I want to ask you a question. I want you to, to ponder this. If this coming Sunday, for some reason, the Lord said, hey, I'm not coming in today. I'm just going to stay out on 350 Highway. I'm just going to stay back there. I'm not coming in. I'm not, I'm not hanging out with them today. I'm just going to stay out on the highway today. Here's the question he asked. He said, would we know the difference? And man, I, I, I had to, that, that bothered me. It bothered me. Because I thought about, I, 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 I've taught I've taught Sunday school and taught Bible studies since I was in high school, right? And I'll never forget the first time as an, I think I was 19 years old, where somebody from the church said, hey, I want you to come and co-teach with me this room full of junior high kids. And I want you to teach today. Here's the book, and you're going to teach this week. Man, he gave me that book on Sunday, and I had a week to go. 
Man, I started praying that very day. Lord, help me. I mean, I prayed on Monday and stayed. I prayed on Tuesday. I prayed, God, you got to show up on Wednesday and Thursday. I mean, I every day I was praying, God, you got to show up in all this or whatever. And I got there to Sunday and I shared the Bible and God showed up. You know? But now here I am, you know, 45 years later, whatever difference, I don't know, I can't add. But it was a long time, the difference. I've preached hundreds of Bible studies to thousands of people, right? The question that I have to ask myself, am I just as desperate for God to show up as I, am I just as understanding that apart from him I can do nothing as I was the first time? You hear what I'm saying? Right? Because a lot of reasons why churches have a form of godliness but deny his power. A lot of teachers have a form of godliness but denying his power. A lot of fill-in-the-blanks have a lot of form of godliness but denying his power is because they don't need God anymore. I got this, God. I got this. The reason why a lot of Christians aren't counting for Christ in their workplace and a lot of students aren't counting for Christ in their schools is because they're showing up every day going, God, I got this, God. You see what I'm saying? You see, you see, it, it is that, that, that holy desperation, that true belief that, Lord, apart from you, apart from your spirit, apart from the power, apart from all of that, you in me, that validates that my life is not a man-made thing, it's a God thing. And that's true for our church, Right? And so that's why, that, that's why I want to encourage us all. Man, if, if, if your goal is to get here within five minutes after the church started on Sunday, I mean, you're not going to get there. Man, we, we need to come expecting and prayed up and desperate for God to show up and pointing out the things that only God could do and celebrating those things because that's what validates that this moment, that this moment, that this moment is not a man-made thing, but a God-made thing. Are you tracking with me? You see? That's, that's, what the, the, that's what was going on in the early church here. Those signs, those wonders. That was God's validation that what's going on here is not a man-made thing, but a God-made thing. All right? Let's keep moving on quickly, all right? 
verse 13, or verse 12. I already mentioned this. The, the regular public meetings were happening at Solomon's Colony. That was the place that Herod built. And uh, the cool thing about that was is that that's the same place that Jesus, when he was God in Abad, was doing all that stuff right there. A lot of the healings, a lot of stuff that he did that got him in the trouble with the same people that now the body of Christ is getting in trouble, all happening in the same place, Right? It's kind of awesome that, that you know, God, God's real good about that. If we don't get it the first time, he has a way of bringing it back to us the second time, right? When we put stiff arm him. Verse 13. This is a very interesting passage. Uh, it says this. It says, uh, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Now, we've kind of gotten this idea that, man, every day is almost like, they, you could almost like, it seemed like any time that they witnessed, somebody was like, yeah, I'll get saved, I'll get saved, and like everybody, well, that's not exactly true. They were going house to house, they were sharing the gospel, but for some reason, there were still people that were kind of standing back from it. I mean, they, they were, oh, that's cool. I'm glad you guys are doing all that kind of stuff. But, like, they were keeping some distance from it, right? Was it because of persecution? Was it because they were afraid that in, they, if they joined, they'd end up dead like <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira? We don't really know. But the terminology of this first seems to be, it referred to, like it says there, a, an association with the believers. Those who weren't believers didn't have this intimate relationship. I mean, they, the watching community that were not believers, they were respecting what they saw, but they likely found God's direct and obvious work through them to be a little bit intimidating, right? Some of them may have been afraid uh, to face the same kind of persecution. Others may have fa feared a fate similar to the ones that fell, uh, to the fate that fell on Ananias and Sapphira. It may simply be a reference to the fact that no more hypocrites or pretenders dared to join the group. Persecution has always had a tendency to separate the curious from the committed. Right? And the fakers from the followers. The, the make-believers from the true believers. Right? And so, um, don't be surprised if when God begins to do a shift in you or in the church, that people kind of step back from it. Right? You see, be, be, because when persecution starts to show itself, and I'm all in, uh, oh, well, maybe not. Let me pull back a little bit. Right? I'm so proud of you. You, you keep on doing that thing you do, man. God bless you there, buddy. Right? Persecution has a way of kind of helping people see the make-believers from the real believers, right? 
And that's true within the body of Christ, too. Man, when God begins to do this God shift thing, and sometimes not everybody's good with the God shift thing. And sometimes there's even an internal kind of persecution that happens to the shift that God is trying to do. And sometimes people that might be putting their arms around you, all of a sudden they're backing up and going, well, I didn't know it meant that. Man, Pastor Jeff, I'm all for change as long as I don't have to. Right? And so the, the, the point of all that is, is that, man, when, when the heat starts getting up a little higher, when God quits letting you and I get away with um, walking only in the shallow water, when when he says, hey, I need you to step into the water, wade out a little bit deeper. Don't be surprised if people that love to hang out with you in the shallow water all of a sudden ain't with you when it gets neat knee-high and even less are there when it gets up to your hips or up to your neck or when you actually have to tread water and swim right because persecution and uncomfortableness kind of begins to separate real believers from true believers right you following me? You tracking with me? Mm-hmm. All right. I love what the Life Application Bible Commentary said here. It said the early church was blessed by the very presence of God. Undeniable miracles were taking place. The apostles were teaching eternal, life-changing truths, but a large number of people hung back. They refused to join the fellowship, opting instead to watch from a distance. Beware of this reluctance to commit. It's a natural human tendency. Being part of what God is doing in this world may mean hard work. It may mean heavy responsibility. It may mean harsh criticism. It possibly might even mean danger. Those who refuse to jump in, however, are going to miss out on untold blessings. They're going to miss out on the fulfillment that they were created to enjoy and they're going to settle instead for a mediocre, mundane existence on the spiritual sidelines. When it comes to church, don't be a distant observer. Dive in, commit, be a part of something eternal. Man, I love that when I read it today in my studies, I'm bringing it to you tonight, all right? In verse 14, it says this. It says, um, nevertheless, more and more, even though some were holding back, nevertheless, more and more people believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Here's where I want us to land the plane tonight, the last thing that I think really applies to us a whole lot today. And that's this, is that even though many people were pulling back, many were also pulling in. Now, here's what I want you to see. How is the church going to respond in this moment? Well, hey, man, not everybody's coming in like they were before. How are we going to respond to this? 
Listen to these words. We need to be careful in what we are aware of versus what we are focused on. As we determine what we are going to do and not do as a church. The early church was aware that some were pulling back, but they stayed focused on doing the things that would allow those who wanted to pull in to be able to pull in. Do you hear what, that, do you hear what that's saying to us? Right? They were very aware that there were people going, well, I, I don't know if I want a part of that. They were aware that that was going on, but they weren't focused on it. You know, there's going to be things God calls us to do in our community that may our community may go, but whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. And we're going to be aware that by taking a biblical stand for God that there may be people in the community that are like, I, I don't know about that anymore. And it's good for us to be aware of it, but we're not supposed to be focused on that. We're supposed to be focused on God's word and the Holy Spirit's direction for us to do that thing that he's calling us to do, right? Right? Because while there are people that are going to be, whoa, 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 and there are also people go, I, I think I want that. And if we change our message and we change what we're doing to try to win some people that are doing this, we may miss the people that are ready to join in right now ready to enter into life transformational relationship with Jesus Christ right now. Because we're so busy back here trying to convince people that probably and maybe won't ever be convinced because we're changing the message and then these people don't even know what to believe now so they can get started with the Lord. Verse 15 and 16 talks about that 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 um, Jerusalem is where all this has been taken, but there's a lot of villages outside of Jerusalem. Bethlehem, I got to go to the Holy Land one time. Bethlehem is a little village just outside of Jerusalem. There are a lot of little villages like that or wherever else. People from there started showing up. You're kidding me. People are getting healed? You're kidding me. People are getting saved? I want some of that. I want some of that for my child or for my aunt or my uncle or my grandpa or whatever else. And just, again, thinking back, Jesus was here in a body. And you remember when he was here in a body, he had an encounter with a woman at the well, right? And you remember what it says about her? It says that she ran back to her village and she said, come and see. Come and see what I saw. Come and experience what I experienced. And the Bible says that whole village came out to Jesus and they didn't even want him to leave because they got what she got because she was willing to say, I got it. And they wanted it, right? Check out, are we, uh, we we've got to think about that in the context of us today. Are we just getting what we need? This past Sunday, did you just get what you needed or do we want it enough for others to tell them? Hey, I used to be messed up just like you are about this. But man, Jesus spoke to me. Jesus touched me. Jesus changed me. 
why don't you come and get a touch too? Right? You see, it's one thing to be thankful that we got touched, but the gospel is wanting others to get touched with the same touch that we got touched and we're willing to touch so that they might be touched, right? William Barclay, the old great person that wrote a whole lot of Sunday school commentary for Southern Baptists a gazillion years ago, said these words. He said, the way to spread Christianity is to be Christian, right? Jesus sends us out not to argue men into Christianity, still less to threaten them into it, but to attract them into it. To live so that its fruits may be so wonderful that others will desire them for themselves. And pray for us. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for loving us first and loving us best. Lord, um, help us, Lord, to be a church that uh, doesn't change our message just because some people are creeped out by it or some people are pushing back away from it. Help us, Lord, to, to, to not be believers that are, um, that, that are leaning back because, when the heat gets up, but, Lord, help us to lean into you. And, Lord, while we have said tonight it's not always easy to sense what you're doing, how you're doing it, and what we're supposed to do in the midst of a great shift. Thank you for your word, and thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in us to help us to know it and do it for the glory of God alone. Help us not to have a form of godliness, but deny its power. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.